Udhang Dhammang Sanghang Namasang. Today that we've had a handful of people making use of Kusala House for a a day-long meditation. Um, We call it a retreat, I don't know, workshop, event, occasion. And I'm really pleased when people make use of Kusala House, make use of the monastery like this. I, I really wish more people would want to spend time here doing what these people have been doing today and we could call it the the work of awareness we all know that there's worldly work and things we need to be paying attention to whether you're living a life in a monastery and whether it's the, the outer work or the worldly work of clearing the gutters away from leaves and keeping the windowsills painted so they don't go rotten and maintaining the property and attending to the guests that are visiting. Is that aspect of work or householders looking after their CV and getting a job and maintaining a job and so on. There is also this other dimension which is really important at the heart level, the level of awareness itself. And and it seems regrettable to me that more people are not alert to this these days. And there's so much information around and, and so much evidence that the lack of quality awareness is causing so many problems. And why why do people go to war with each other? Don't they realize that the pain that's being inflicted is going to, even when the war ends, the pain is going to be there for decades, for centuries, centuries. And people are going to be harboring memories and resentments. Or filling the oceans, ruining the oceans with megatons of unprocessed animal waste. Why would people do that? Certainly the technology is there to inform them how to do things better. It's unawareness. It's not that people are bad, necessarily. Certainly people caught up in bad mind states. Primarily, I think we could say that it's a they don't know what they're doing. They don't see the consequences. Ruining the planet, generating centuries of ill will and suffering. and Only do it because we don't see what we're doing. The lack of cultivated awareness. In the Pali language of the Theravada tradition, this is called jitta pavana. Pavana is cultivation. Jitta is the heart the heart work, the work of awareness. So when people decide to put some time aside and spend it here in the monastery like they have today, uh, turning off their devices, looking inwards, listening inwards, feeling inwards, and then 
with a, a teacher to offer guidance, remind people, you know, keep coming back to this that we're doing here. And the momentum of following distractions, the, the momentum of our addiction to distractions is such that we're consistently sending our energy outwards. Not that we have to do it, and hopefully, well, I like to think there are, are some people that are, are not doing that, compulsively sending their heart energy outwards, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, and thinking all the time. However, the degree of affluence with which we live these days, of course, we, we enjoy it. However, we can become lost in it and think that we've got a right to not be uncomfortable and endlessly sending our attention out looking for another way of becoming more comfortable or if we are uncomfortable for blaming. This morning when I woke up my boiler wasn't working in my cottage again. My boiler's been on the blink off and on now for seems like quite a while and recently the engineers came out and they said that they identified the cause of the the difficulty and the issue and and they had an order a part and a few days later they came back and they installed the part and it was fine for 24 hours or so and and then again this morning I get up and it's cold no hot water can't take a shower and I was feeling a bit tired when I woke up and I had a few things on recently and I really didn't want to have to set the fire the fire hadn't been set so I could find newspaper and kindling and and Fortunately, I didn't indulge in too much grumbling. However, I could have done. Why can't they fix the boiler? Since when did we assume that we're entitled to have that degree of luxury whereby we turn the dial of the thermostat one inch clockwise and sit back and wait until the cottage becomes completely cozy? (laughs) Throughout all of human history, human beings... The first thing in the morning is when they wake up, they light a fire, if not for warmth, to cook food. It's normal. However, now, with the, if we look at the timeline of all of human history, just like the last few seconds of human history, we've allowed ourselves to become so addicted to convenience that we can complain the slightest little thing, like having to light a fire. Or getting old, and getting a cold, and, and then getting indignant about it. I mean, it's one of the most normal things besides dying. <laughs> getting sick is, once you get born, uh, getting sick is one of the most normal things to happen. It happens to everybody. And yet when it does happen to us, we very easily send our attention out to look for somebody to blame, where really, actually, the fact is if we were attuned, if we were aligned on the level of awareness, if we've been doing the awareness work and not just our worldly work, worldly work is important, yes, however, there's also this awareness work, which if we're not doing it, we can become really, really foolish and make our lives and other people's lives really unnecessarily difficult. So once again, when I see people doing today what they did, spending time in Kusla House and 
sitting meditation, presumably walking meditation, maybe they did a little chanting as well, applying themselves to the exercises for citta bhavana, for cultivating awareness, cultivating the heart. It's delightful to see. It's very normal for human beings to have been doing this. If you look back, and up until again, just the last few decades, basically, pretty much one day a week, most of all the world's religions would put the time aside. and They have a particular way of defining it. And in Thailand, it's called one prao. In Sri Lanka, it's poya day. And, and the Jews and the Christians call it the Sabbath. And, and I confess I don't know what the other great religions refer to it as. However, there's been this, what I would consider a intuitive intelligence to recognize that at least one day a week it's wise to unplug and to attend to the heart domain. Now, as you would expect me to say, I, 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 uh, I feel some, some religions attend to this matter better than others, more skillfully than others, and, and I am a great advocate of how the Buddha addressed it and, and did encourage it to put time aside and, and focus attention inwards. So as we're not fooled by greed, hatred and delusion, fooled into thinking that going to war is okay, fooled into thinking that ruining the planet is okay. Actually, it's just greed. If we don't have functional awareness, we don't even see greed as greed. We think, well, this is just making money. You know, just Put all these chickens in the shed and send them off to some supermarket and pump the waste into the ocean and who cares? We made a lot of money. That's a disaster on all sorts of levels. Certainly, if we're paying attention inwardly and start to see greed as greed or ill will as ill will or fear as fear, like all the things that we do that means that in our hearts we harbour fear normal in life to feel afraid of uncertainty. It's biologically sensible to be afraid of uncertainty. Maybe something going on that we're actually unsafe and we need to protect ourselves. And however, if we're not encouraged to pay attention inwardly, we can't discern that which is intelligent fear and that which is foolish fear. We just end up again with affluence and where we have the opportunity to deny so much of the dukkha of life, so much of the dissatisfaction, the frustration, the disappointment. Fear certainly falls into that category. We just deny it. We feel afraid. We deny it. Push it into unawareness. Distract ourselves. And as I was saying, we cultivate these addictions to distraction. What we may not, and very unfortunately, realize is that we can be cultivating, building up a massive backlog of denied fear. Denied fear, it ruins the nervous system, it ruins our health, it ruins our hearts. We deny fear, the possibility of kindness is obscured. Even parents with their children can struggle to feel kindly if they have enough denied dukkha stored away and behave terribly to their children. Although it's the most natural thing for a parent to 
be caring and kindly towards their children, even the most natural impulses can sadly be obscured if there's enough denied to do stored away. So on that matter of fear, fear of feeling unsafe, fear of uncertainty, it may not seem like a big thing in the beginning when we store it away and, and then attaching to the, the, the delight that comes when we feel certain, indulging and clinging to the pleasure of certainty and indulging in the, the fear of uncertainty. We may not realize what we're doing because most people around us are doing it. Hopefully, if we're fortunate, we come across the Buddha's teaching and he points out, well, actually, that's not the only option. That's not the only way to live. Uh, you can cultivate awareness, jitta bhavana, can cultivate the spiritual faculties, sadha, very sati, samadhi, panya, faith, or trust in true principle, energy, not just mental, physical energy, but heart energy, aliveness, sati, mindfulness, collectedness, samadhi, discernment, wisdom, panya, these potentials that we have, just as we have eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and body, sense outwardly in the world and navigate our way around the world, if we want to navigate our way around the inner world, around the heart domain, in the awareness territory, then we need to develop these faculties. So if we hear the Buddha's teachings and we get inspired and faith is enlivened to the degree where we want to make effort in this way, then there's a chance we can live differently. Even though we may have a backlog of denied dukkha, of denied ill will, or denied fear, fear of uncertainty, with these faculties online, there's a chance that we can meet ourselves there. And so this is the potential benefit of doing the work of awareness and putting time aside, not just one day a week or or one day every few months, actually some time every day, at least 20 minutes every day, putting some time aside at least 20 minutes every day, roughly 40 minutes, to unplug, to sit still, close the eyes, listen inwards, feel inwards, and bring aliveness on the inner domain so that we're not fooled by greed when it arises and say, oh, that's greed. Contain that. Not deny it, not pretend it's not there. You say, that's greed. That hurts. It hurts me, it hurts the world. Well, that's hatred. That hurts. If we're not alive on the heart domain, if we're just living up in our heads and seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching and cognizing, looking at what's going on around us, living in the world, the outer world, then maybe we don't even see greed as greed. Maybe we even think it's good. Promoting myself. This is me. Aren't I great? Aren't I amazing? No. (laughs) You're going to die. Don't you realize it? You're not that amazing. There are very few really amazing beings around. Most of us are really unprepared for the task of living this life. However, there is hope. There is a possibility of turning our light of attention inwards, listening inwards, feeling inwards, enlivening the spiritual faculties, so that we're not just struggling with controlling. 
often what happens when people go on a meditation retreat or even a day workshop like today listen in with feel inwards and there's just the struggle what technique should I be using should I use an assertive technique of focusing attention and counting my breathing and um, or should I use a more yielding mode of effort of um, being awareness meditation doing meditation or being awareness what should I do I've got to be right where is that coming from I've got to be right if we're beginners uh, really ideally uh, intelligent approach would be to have the humility to accept oh I don't know what I'm doing and to humbly inquire, oh well, I will, I'll wait to see. Just gradually, carefully approach. I'll try this for a while and feel how it works. I'll try that for a while. I'll try the assertive approach. How does that feel in my heart, in my shoulders? And well, we're pretty big on the assertive front all the time. Maybe we don't need to be doing more of that assertive stuff. Maybe we could try some yielding mode of practice, kind of being aware meditation, just just sitting there in the body, doing nothing in particular other than being present here now. Here now, judgment free, whole being awareness. And just repeat that. If we want something to do, we can say that. If we're so attached to always doing something, we can do that, here and now, judgment-free, whole being, awareness. Say that 30 times, maybe. And how does that feel? Being awareness rather than doing meditation. If we are still, unfortunately, so locked into the compulsive controlling process, then we're going to struggle terribly with such a dilemma. What should I do? I want to be right. In fact, that's just being greedy. Wanting to be right. Wanting to be right is all right. However, if it's demanding that we're right, that's called craving. If we don't have awareness sufficiently well developed, then we can't even tell the difference between wanting and craving. I often hear this, unfortunately, a lot of Buddhists talk about, oh, I got rid of my desires. What would you want to get rid of your desires for? I mean, desire is just heart energy. It's just movement. What would you want to get rid of desire for? Well, the Buddha said you've got to get rid of desire. I've never heard the Buddha talk about wanting to get rid of desire. And if the Buddha didn't get rid of desire, if the Buddha didn't have desires, he wouldn't have helped us. He wouldn't have wanted to help us. He would have just gone and sat under a tree and chilled, which he didn't, thank goodness. He was very motivated to help. It's called compassion. Clinging to desire, that's craving, that's toxic. If we don't have the inner awareness, if we haven't done the awareness work, we don't have the subtlety of perception to even notice that. We're just up in our heads thinking. There's not that big a difference between wanting and craving in our heads. However, if we come into our hearts, into into our being, and feel it, 
can we want to progress in practice and hold that wanting in a way whereby we stay relaxed, open, gentle, present? Or do we have to cling to the wanting and spoil it? Create obstructions and create craving. If we ask ourselves that in our heads, we'll probably maybe get a little bit of an answer. Not anything that's going to take us to any sort of resolution. So this, once again, this opportunity to, that we have as human beings, this extraordinarily good fortune of being alive at a time where we have access to so much information, so much health care, so much potential good company. We have each other's company to support each other. There are many people out there who don't have spiritual companions, don't even have the possibility of spiritual companions. We have this extraordinary good fortune. So let's not miss the opportunity that we have to build on this good fortune. Somehow we find ourselves in the middle of it. It's almost like we've inherited it. Certainly we're grateful to our teachers, those who've gone before us who've maintained these teachings and have provided these teachings. Grateful to our parents that we had a good enough upbringing that we're still healthy at this age and got enough intelligence so that when we hear teachings they make sense to us. And then the rest is up to us. Thank you very much this evening for your attention.